This is episode 22, Keeping Up with the Joneses. Hi, welcome back to Beyond the Walls podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Ramika. And I'm Kylie. We're excited to have you join our conversation about growing up together and learning how to overcome challenges. We will share from our own life and experiences in hope that it might inspire you to go beyond the walls in your way and create the life that you want. So grab your coffee or tea and come on in. So we're calling this episode Keeping Up with the Joneses because probably the number one question we get asked i don't know if you get asked this yet as much as i do on my platform but how do you manage money Mm. like what's your mindset about money what are your long-term plans about money kind of like big picture what are your mindsets that you have adopted about money and how did you come to that that position and i think one of the coolest things about being sisters with you even though we grew up in the same household at different periods of time. Mm-hmm. We grew up with the same dad. Yeah. And a lot of our mindsets are very similar because he has been pretty consistent throughout both of our childhoods of his view on money and how he chooses to use money yeah. and making his opinions about money known to us so that we were really set up for success in this point in our lives. And I think the the two of us, we've talked about this offline of just how like, we don't, we still individually have like, there's like the healthy mindset and there's a lot of the things that we learned growing up that we're really grateful to know. And we're really appreciative that we have the dad that we do because it's really saved us a lot, but saved us from a lot of, I think, financial insecurity or like unmanageable debt but you know there's always an opposite extreme that comes like there are unhealthy ways that it has shown up for us as well so we just kind of wanted to have an open conversation about money and our mindsets and hopefully this helps you guys find some freedom um, and answer some questions because some of y'all honestly are just nosy but (laughs) I guess, do you want to start by just talking about some of like your own mindsets or what did you hear dad say about money when we were growing up? Yeah, I definitely think, I think one, he led by example and it was really clear that he was preparing always for retirement, end of life. Not death, end of life, but you know what I mean? Like the long term. But honestly, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to be prepared. We were, there was a lot of obvious delaying of immediate gratification for long term satisfaction. Yeah. They planned for everything. He told his money where to go and had a purpose for every penny. Yeah. Um, compound interest. If I could have heard him talk about anything more was compound interest. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't buy into it as much as, you know, I wish I had right now (laughs) where, um, Lee and I are at, but conceptually, like that just was the frame of, of reference. Mm -hmm. I think is living below your means, not having debt, not needing to have everything perfect right out the gate. Mm -hmm. Right. So when, Mom and dad got married. They got married at 19, right out of high school. Dad worked a full-time job and went to school full-time. They got pregnant right away. Mm-hmm. So mom worked until she had 
our older brother, Colin, and then she always stayed home with us. Mm-hmm. And so through the years, right? Like you could see where his career went. The more, the higher he went in his career, the more he saved and the bigger our lives got to be. Mm-hmm. We got to, we got to do a lot of really neat stuff. Like we got to go on amazing trips and do all kinds of stuff. But in our everyday, like we had to have a lot of conversations about going to Taco Bell and we had to get water at Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> there was very minimal frivolous spending yeah. on non-essential items that we always had the things that we need and then some. Mm-hmm. They were always very generous with their money and generous with the things that they had. Um, so I think for me then coming out as um, an adult on my own, you know, the concept would definitely was don't get into debt. Don't spend what you don't have. Certainly not on frivolous things. Mm-hmm. Um, and invest in your 401k and preparing, you know, there's long-term savings. And I remember, so when I worked for progressive right out of, um, during my college time, dad was always so excited to know what my bonus was going to be and what was in my 401k. And I was always like, but you told me I can't spend my 401k. Like it's just for savings for someday. So I was like, I don't even want to know what's in there. Like, let's take it out immediately. Like if I can't spend it, it doesn't matter. Don't look at it. Mm -hmm. Right. That was kind of my mindset in the bonus. I didn't understand either. People were always so excited for their annual bonus. I'm like, one, it's not guaranteed. I never put that into my like budget, like expecting to get this money. It was just extra money that might come through and I will leave it when I see it. Mm -hmm. So dad was also always really excited to see like what it was. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll find out when I get the check. (laughs) So there did create a lot of freedom in that, right? Like I could have a lot of freedom because I lived below my means and it wasn't paycheck to paycheck, but the real work, you know, that I now have to do and, kind of create is still what's that next level of freedom when it comes to money. Are we using it wisely? Just because I'm not spending money I don't have doesn't mean I'm spending it in a way that really brings peace and purpose in my everyday. Yeah. What about you? I would say like a lot of that I can relate to because I feel like I remember before I went off to college dad and I had a bunch of conversations and I don't know if you had this experience, maybe it was just a financial aid type of thing. So um, when I was adopted and I transferred or I moved states, I was locked in. So if I wouldn't have gotten adopted, then I would have gotten my college paid for by the state. Um, And so when I moved, it was no longer, and it's, um, by state. So it was no longer under Michigan. It was now Indiana that I had moved to and Indiana's program for me to be able to get all of my schooling paid for meant that I would have needed to like lock into this program in like eighth grade. And I wasn't adopted until sophomore year of high school. So there was no opportunity for me to get my college paid for at that point in my life. But I don't regret it. I think um, because of that, I had a lot of conversations about money with dad before I went off to college. And I remember one of the things that he said was, I don't care how many pounds of peanut M&Ms these colleges or these credit card companies are going to offer you on Mm -hmm. campus. 
you do not need a credit card Mm. in college. Duh, like I didn't need a credit card in college because I didn't have any money coming in Mm -hmm. and definitely not enough to make up for whatever debt I could have gotten myself into had I had a credit card. I would not have used it wisely and I didn't understand credit. I barely understood how I was going to pay my way through college, (laughs) you know? And so I just think there were a couple things that he like, I remember him sitting down with me and we went through this module together on financial aid and, um, you know, just like a plan to pay it back. And he was, he always emphasized like this money is not free, you know, Mm -hmm. like the longer you have this money, the more money you're going to end up paying. So everything you take out, it is not free. And I think that definitely helped too, because it meant that when I was in college, like I didn't just take out money just to take out money, you know, like I was very aware of what money I needed in a loan and how I was going to use that money. And I think that all came from how he talked about it too. Like, obviously before I was adopted, I grew up with my mom was a single mom and the way that she used money looked a lot different from the way that, you know, like you guys that, you know, like our family uses money. And so I think it was confusing at a time, but I remember feeling way more stressed with the ways that uh, my biological family would use their money. It just, there was no security. There was always a question of whether or not we would have enough. There was always a scarcity mindset. There was always just a spending, but then feeling guilty about spending anything, even if it meant paying bills. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time like I got to hear our dad talk about money, it's interesting because though he was in a completely different position, there was still the same kind of undertones of scarcity and a fear of not managing it well, even though he was. So I think that was the first time I realized that it doesn't matter how much money you have, like it, you, if you don't choose the mindset that you're going to have about it, it won't change your experience of it. Yeah. Even though everything about your situation could look different. Yeah. So that's really why we wanted to talk about the mindset that you have, because whether you have a little or you have a lot, you can still struggle with being greedy and you can still struggle with, you know, a scarcity mindset. And you could still struggle with if you're using your money wisely or fearing that you don't know what to do with it. And I don't know that we can get into technicals because it's so individualized of like, the way that I want to invest my money might look different. It does look different from even the ways that you want to invest your money. And there's some things that overlap. Like I I think long-term, the two of us would love to be able to invest in real estate, even though that's more of Lee's dream than it is yours. But I think you're on board for that too. Mm -hmm. And I would love to do something like that, but real estate isn't the only way to invest your money. Some people get involved in the stock market and luckily that's, that's really like our dad loves the stock market. And I mean, he invested in real estate as well, but that's another avenue. (laughs) So it's really like how you want to use your money and what makes sense for you. But the mindset is kind of the undercurrent of all of that. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, foundationally, we got the basics for sure 
of living below your means. Mm -hmm. You've got, you can't be spending more than you're bringing in mm -hmm. and even creating a buffer so that the bigger the buffer, the more safety there is mm -hmm. having an emergency fund, you know, being able to not have to be paycheck to paycheck where every single penny is already required to go out before the next paycheck comes in. Mm -hmm. And even save something, yeah. I think is something that he always talked about. Like, even if you only have $10 to save from this paycheck, save $10. Like yeah. that's still big. Yeah. So I just remember it, it's so true. Like he had a bunch of those like little nuggets that didn't really make sense. And we would just kind of do them because we trusted him, but yeah. you know, like we didn't really know the why behind it. And now I look back and I'm like, Oh yeah. Like $10 a month for, you know, over the course of 10 months is you know, my insurance for my yeah. car, or it is, you know, if my car breaks down and I happen to have $10, you know, every paycheck or $20 a month, let's say, if I paid, if I get paid every two weeks, then, you know, in 10 months, if an accident happens and I have to cover my deductible, mm -hmm. I have it. And yeah. I'm not stretched because it was only $10 every paycheck as opposed to having to take out now like $500 yeah. all at one time that I wasn't planning on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to the scarcity versus abundance mindset is so challenging because if you're not aware of where the money's going, and what you're spending it on, right? Like there's the first step of, do you even have money to cover your needs? Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's legit scarcity. Like you either have the money to take care of your needs or you don't. Yeah. And then once you have the money to take care of your needs, then the real work, more of the mindset, the discipline, the structure, like telling your money where to go versus your money's telling you where to go. Mm -hmm. I remember you know, that was a decision that Lee and I made when we got engaged. We both wanted me to stay home, mm -hmm. which means we were both committing to a single income household. Mm -hmm. And I think as peers, you know, like other moms that they're both working when both partners are working and then they have kids, you're kind of already locked into a situation where you can't be a stay at home mom because you're living, you would have to so radically change your lifestyle to get back down to a single income household. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of my peers have wrestled with that it's those kind of mindsets. It's like, okay, we're taking care of today's needs. Like, what do we want today? But what are we going to want later? Mm -hmm. And so when you're first getting married or setting out, so if any of you are engaged or wanting to eventually think through, you may not know if you want to be a stay at home mom. But if you're both living on a budget that's maxed out to both of your incomes, you're always going to have to make that same amount of money to maintain your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And the more locked in you are, the harder it is. And it also like psychologically just feels like a demotion. Nobody wants to go backwards. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to go from like a big house to a little house, <laughs> even if it's a deliberate choice, right? Like yeah. there's just something about it. There's like your own internal upset about it. And then there's everybody else's opinions and pressures. Right. Mm. And that's the keeping up with the Joneses. Like we're supposed to be at this level at this age in our lives. We should look like 
X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. We should have this kind of car. We should have this kind of house. We should have these kind of vacations. Mm -hmm. Like there are situations that I look at and I'm like, I know that we can't afford certain things. I'm like, how on earth are those people affording (laughs) the life that they're living? Like, what are they doing differently with their money that why can't we afford to do those things? And either one, because we're wasting our money on little stupid stuff and we don't realize if we had used our money differently, we could also go do those things. Mm-hmm. Or they're living on debt. You know, like they're spending money that they actually don't have and the money is going out. We lived in uh, Pennsylvania for a couple of years and we were at the bank doing something and we were just having a conversation and it was an expensive place to live. Everybody worked. There was hardly any single income households. Um, you know, most of the married couples, both of them worked. Um, but there also just looked like a lot of wealth. And he was like, I can't tell you how many people have like no money in the bank. Mm-hmm. They look really good and fancy on the outside, but are paycheck to paycheck. So it doesn't matter how much you're making. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're stuck paying paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Even if you're living in a million dollar house with fancy cars, there's still no room in the budget. There's still that same kind of stress as if you can barely, you know, take care of the junkie car you got and the teeny tiny studio apartment, whatever it is. Yeah. And so there is just so much work in the mindset to have real financial peace. And what is it going to take for each person to have the financial peace? And are we willing to do the work that it's going to take to get there? If we don't have it, what do we have to undo? Where do we have to go backwards? Or is it something that we can work within the budget that we have right now? you know, or does something radical have to change? Mm -hmm. That is the misleading thing about money in general is that just because you see it doesn't mean that's like, that's the fruit of what is existing beneath the surface. Like you don't know how many people are just trying to keep up with the Joneses and how many people are just like, living below their means which is way above mine (laughs) you know and I think the same thing about being single like you know there's a lot of I think it, it can be easier to adopt a scarcity mindset when you're single versus when you're being married from what I hear right like you have another person that you're able to share the financial burden and load with and even going through the home buying process like I was like this would be so much easier if I were married you know like and a bunch of fears that were coming up for me just because I am single and I had to question that like honestly like the mindset that I choose now is the mindset that I would bring into a marriage. Mm-hmm. So how do I want to live now? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I choose to go back to. Like, you know, I personally have multiple streams of income that are coming in, right? And so the hardest part is the more money you make, the more money you want to spend. Yeah. And with buying a house, like that was what was so hard for me to process through was just like, I am spending the most money I've ever spent in my life. Like the down payment, I was like, I have never spent this much money ever. I haven't spent close to this much money ever in my life. Who pays this much money? Like I was wrestling with myself on like, is it even wise to pay a down payment? Because I had never, I was just so shocked (laughs) how much money I was spending, you know? But 
to your point, like you have to consider long-term. And so in one of our previous episodes, when we were talking about, you know, risk and what kind of risk do you take for your goals or to achieve like your dreams and your goals, like one of the easiest practicals I adopt and one of the easiest mindsets about money I adopt is I don't leverage more Mm -hmm. than I can afford to lose. Mm -hmm. And though I have multiple streams of income at the time, that I was buying this house, I could only um, really use or get qualified for a loan for my insurance job at the time, because you had to, at this point, um, because of COVID, had to have two years of taxable income. Mm -hmm. And I was working on the second year of getting paid um, for my influencing job. And so I couldn't even use that income. And actually it was more of a pain to have the multiple streams of income at the time when I was buying my house because every single check that I got for my company, I had to write something for my loan officer. (laughs) And in order for it to get approved, because I have these large sums and large checks coming in and I have to create an explanation for them and they're not... I don't have two years of taxable income through this company yet. So it was just a pain, honestly. But I went back to, okay, like, am I purchasing a house that I can afford? Yeah. Or am I trying to prove something? Because there was a lot of questions of what I was saying by buying a house at this stage of my life. Being single, no prospects. I wasn't dating at the time. And... I was just like, man, like this house is a three bedroom house. I'm one person. I've only really ever lived in a one bedroom, one bath apartment, unless I had multiple roommates. Mm -hmm. The biggest apartment I've ever lived in was a three bedroom, two bath, and I had three roommates. Mm -hmm. And so other than that, it was a one bedroom or two bedroom apartment. And I've always had roommates. Even before I bought my house, I had only lived by myself for like two years. Mm -hmm. So I have all for the majority of my life when I started making my own income had multiple roommates because I was constantly in a position of like long term, what do I want for my life? Mm -hmm. And long term, I knew that whether I got married or you know, whether I stayed single for the rest of my life, I never wanted to get to a point where because I had X amount of money in the bank, I was spending close to that X amount of money. And so I decided to have roommates that way I could cut expenses and start aggressively paying my student loans. Um, That was the only debt I had at the time. And then it came to a point where my rent was going to like double Mm -hmm. for a one bedroom one bath apartment. And I was so conflicted by that because I'm like, the cost of housing is increasing. Interest rates are the lowest they've ever been, but they're starting to climb. And, you know, I'm, if I stay in an apartment, though, I don't have to pay X amount of like thousands and thousands of dollars for this down payment, long-term, I'm going to be spending more money in this apartment and I'm not going to have anything, no equity, you know? And so what was the wisest choice? And so for me, that was a time where I had to consider, am I leveraging more than I can afford? No. Is it more than I'm comfortable paying? Yes. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yes. I've never spent this much money in my life. 
And so, you know, I made the decision obviously to buy, buy a house, but even, you know, people were questioning the house that I chose. Well, some people, for some people looking at it on the outside, looking in, were like, you got too nice of a house for your first house. And other people were like, if you were going to spend this much on a house, why didn't you just get a bigger house? Why are you in a townhome? Why did you buy a townhome? Why didn't you buy a house? Yeah. You know, like, obviously, like, nobody is in my bank account, yeah. <laughs> you know. Or having to live in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I know the choices that I made came to a decision, like, could I have afforded a much bigger place? Yeah. Um, do I do I feel like I need that? No. And even um, I've gotten questions since buying this house from other people, like, so what's your next move? You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I barely, I'm just about to hit a year. I just bought this house, you know, like, why do I need something bigger? But all of this external pressure to like, well, you have to be making more and now you know the process and, you know, now you know more of what you want and all of that is true. But like, again, I go back to long term, what do I actually want for my life? And Mm -hmm. is getting a bigger house going to get me closer or farther away from the long term plan I have for my my life and myself and my financial goals. And right now, it would get me farther away from it. Yeah, I think it's so funny listening to you talk about that, because the same thing happens in other areas of life. You start dating People immediately are like, okay, when are you going to get married? Mm. Then you get married and when are you going to have babies? Mm. And then you have a baby. When are you going to have the next baby? Right? Like we're so all up in each other's business and create all of this pressure. So those are like the people that are actually in our lives, whether they're close to us, family members, acquaintances. And then we see whatever the world is doing, you know, especially in the world of social media and influencers and all that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, there's just always this spoken and unspoken pressure that what we're doing isn't enough mm-hmm. and we should be someplace else. Like why we're always comparing and competing with, with people that really don't have to live our lives and aren't paying for it either. <laughs> True. And it's so challenging to know and to navigate the difference between like what we can financially afford, but then really how much can we afford mentally? that you're talking about, right? Like, oh, this is really uncomfortable just because we haven't done it before either to pay more now, right? To not have PMI. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like a lot right in this moment, but it's actually really costing us more to pay PMI. Mm-hmm. Even the less money's coming out of our pockets, mm-hmm. we're going to pay for it in the long run. It actually costs us more later. But is it costing us more mentally right now or is it costing us more financially right now? Because in that same vein, you know, with that extra $10, you know, at the end of the month, whatever you were talking about before, if we don't have a plan and have a goal of where we're trying to get or what we're trying to do with our money, that $10 is going to go to some immediate gratification splurge the next time we're at Target. You know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to get an extra something or we're going to, we just immediately spend it on things that don't even last. You know, I think of, um, not only is it challenging on our health, but our wallet. Have you been into Old Navy lately? Like, Mm -hmm. why is there an entire snack station through the entire checkout lane? (laughs) Why are we having candy bars and trinkets and toys in our faces everywhere we go all day long. Mm -hmm. It's costing us in our health 
but it's costing us in our money too. Because now we have kids that are being raised where they have all of these things in front of their faces all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's $3 here, $2 there, all over the place. And mm -hmm. our money just goes out the window and we have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of discipline to keep track of those, the little dollar amounts. Because mm -hmm. I love to just spend a dollar or two here or there. But Lee doesn't, Lee doesn't do those things, but he spends big money mm. on big stuff. Like he's got expensive hobbies. <laughs> I have a little, I have a cheap hobby, but it adds up. We probably spend the same amount. I just do a little bit all day long and he does one big every once in a while. Mm. And so how do we keep track and know where it's going and why we're spending it? And who are we really trying to impress? How can we not worry about what other people are thinking about whether we're spending money or not spending money, right? Because we're going to get judged either way. Mm -hmm. We're going to be accused of either being cheap or maybe they think we are poor when we're not poor because of what we are, are not spending our money on, or they think we're money bags because of how we're showing up in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. I think of, um, I remember, so you're driving this car that you've had for a long time, you're going <laughs> to drive it till it dies. It's falling apart one little tiny thing at a time. Yeah. And we were talking about what your next car is going to be. And I, I did give you a hard time about because of <laughs> where club. you are, right? Like you, you have money to spend. You're doing a great job. You're also using it very wisely. You could afford a nice, a really nice car, right? Yeah. But you're like, I'm not going to buy a nice car. Because you don't value spending your money in that way, mm -hmm. right? Like, why would you throw your money in a way that's not going to bring you joy or satisfaction or long-term purpose? Yeah. And I think that's to be applauded. Like, why are we, we're not going to spend money on things that we don't care about, but we will spend money on things we do care about. Mm -hmm. But is it meeting our long-term goals and the purpose of where we really do want our money to go? Mm -hmm. So I don't, you want to tell us about your cars or <laughs> car. car? I have one car. You do have one car. Your current car and your future car someday because <laughs> it's going to die soon. Car. It's going to die soon. You're going to have to replace it soon, which is why you have to start thinking about Who that. said? Who said? Oh, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. I'm just being. <laughs> um, no, it's funny. This car, it's an 07. So it's an 07 Honda CRV, and I actually bought it from Graham's, like when I first started my job at Progressive. And and it's a good car. It's it a is good a good car. car, yeah. And I was just telling her too. I was like, I've probably since I've had this car only had to put in maybe like seventeen hundred dollars yeah. towards maintenance, repairs, all of it. You know, it did hurt this last. <laughs> I would say the last two months. I've definitely spent more money on car stuff um you know just maintenance kind of stuff and it is what it is that's just the the part of owning a car but every single person in my life has questioned when I'm going to be done with this car <laughs> they're like any moment now Ramika is going to buy a new car yeah. like you don't have to drive this car yeah you're clearly choosing <laughs> To drive this car. Yeah. I mean, there was a point when it was like, it was financially, it made sense. I couldn't afford to buy a brand new car, like a car that would be like 
good enough or new enough to make sense to invest so much money but yeah, yeah. They, it definitely crossed a line maybe a couple years ago when it was just like okay now what's your excuse like i'm running out of excuses <laughs> yeah. but dad would always say growing up the cheapest car you'll ever own is the one you already have yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe i just latched on to that and i took that home <laughs> you know but now i'm just like trying to bet like how long can i keep this car because i also really what I do value is the fact that I don't have to pay for this car outside of maintenance. Yes. Yeah. I love the fact that like it gets me from point A to point B and it's able to take care of other people. I have a dog. So now I have to worry about hair. Like if I had like the yeah. nicest car, I would care about that kind of stuff. Yeah. People like park next to me and open their car in an accident. And I'm like, I, I really don't care. Yeah. Also, I'm like a, a car insurance person. And so cars are depreciating oh, yeah. assets. They're not valuable. Yeah. The moment you drive the car off the lot, it yeah. depreciates by thousands. Just and so I just really don't value it as much. And it's kind of laughable that my friends are all waiting. So yeah. anyway, Kylie and I we're having this conversation she's like no seriously like when are you gonna get a new car like what car would you even want like just dream with yeah. me and i was dreaming for a minute and i was like wow like i really think i would want a toyota corolla <laughs> and she was like what toyota corolla like the most basic cheapest like unimpressive car you could ever choose that's what you're dreaming about yeah. i was like yeah like they're just like really good on gas mileage like it was all practical which yeah. is how i think totally. about money yeah like is it gonna do well with gas mileage how long is this car gonna last me if it's gonna depreciate like do I care if it's this car? Like all of these like things. Yeah. I was like, it would be fun to drive a sedan. I do. A, I have an SUV right now. <laughs> so she was just mocking me yeah. about this car. And there's nothing wrong, y'all, with whatever car you have. <laughs> We're talking about Romika's situation right now. And I'm like, it's like dreaming about a Toyota Echo. You know, like just this <laughs> tiny little thing. Like nobody dreams and is, well, somebody does. But you get it, right? Like she could have a fun car. And that's kind of what we're having a conversation about right now, right? Is the difference between like, what can you afford? Mm -hmm. And can you do something fun, right? Like there's this sort of space of like luxury about it. That's like, ooh, you have play money. You have, mm -hmm. you have room to have something you really love versus mm -hmm. like just a need mm -hmm. and bare minimum, bare basics and like something really fun and frilly. Yeah. I did decide, Beautiful. though, that, like, I mean, once you mocked me into dreaming bigger, <laughs> I kind of thought, I was like, well, if, I guess my goal, I do really well with, like, if I meet a milestone and a really big goal, and so if Beyond the Walls, when Beyond the yes, Walls when. becomes <laughs> profitable, and I don't know, I kind of have an idea of, like, what dollar amount to me would mean that we're profitable, then I was like, my fun car would probably be a Jeep Wrangler. Mm. Like, it's just like you're in between. And I remember yeah. I brought that back to Kylie. And I was like, okay, so if Beyond the Walls or when Beyond the Walls becomes profitable, then I'm I'm thinking that, like, if it weren't a Toyota Corolla, I think it would be a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, congratulations. That sounds fun. Good job. <laughs> that's actually a fun car. You know, it's not just necessity. And like, that's my mindset about money. And 
I, I guess just about cars in general, but that's how I use my money. Like I never want to be that person that that feels strapped and yeah. lives paycheck to paycheck because of how I choose to live my life. And coming from an influencer, like this is something that I feel like I do need to just share. Like I have a responsibility to share this because it's so easy to look um, at influencers and just be like, wow, like they either spend a lot of money or they're making a lot of money or they're getting a lot of product. And I think all of those could be true. Um, My mindset will probably always stay the same because I really value financial security. And it is true that you have the ability to make a lot of money in this industry. It's also true that just because you're an influencer, it doesn't mean that you're making a lot of money. It could mean that people are spending a lot of money. But there's also a point where like after I like spent my own money for like a year, I wasn't making anything yet. I hadn't gotten any kind of campaigns yet with companies or whatever. And I wasn't profitable. And so my budget was $50 a month on spending home decor items. But then, you know, you you make it, if you will, and you start working with companies. And part of the contract or the deal with the companies is that they send you product that you get to choose from the companies that you already were going to probably pay yeah. for product from. Yeah. And so... I really feel like it's my responsibility just to share that like, yeah, like it's all of that. And, you know, like all of those things could be happening. But what is true is that one, I don't leverage more than I can afford. I do really value my financial security more than I value looking a certain way. And it is okay that people mock me, mock me as much as you want about the house that I live in, the house, the townhouse that I chose over a a house with the backyard, if you will, or for my 07 car. But at the end of the day, like, can I make all my bills and still have play money and still have a really good safety net and still get where I want to long-term? Yeah. And so I value that, like mock that, (laughs) then we'll have something actually that I care about, (laughs) but I really don't care how people view me. And I would actually, I would rather like, look so unassuming in this world. Like I would rather that because then you have less questions to answer from people. You have less expectations from people. Like, you know, like I like the idea of people coming in and just knowing that like, I'm going to take care of you if you're with me, you know, like I have the means I'm not so strapped that like if somebody in my circle were in need that I wouldn't be able to step forward and do something for them. There's people that I do stuff like that for all the time. And I think that's another mindset that I really do hold true is that, you know, I think the more generous you are with people and with Mm -hmm. your, with what you have, the easier it is to just live outside of a scarcity mindset. Like, I think they go hand in hand. I think we were even talking about this the other day. Like there's some companies, Starbucks, for instance, that like, as they've increased their prices, Mm. even the workers, like just the morale just changes. There's something that happens when people get more tight fisted, even if it's the company and it's not the people who decided, like it's not the workers or the employees that decided they wanted to raise their prices. But the company, 
I just think it's a mindset. Like once people latch on to a tight fisted, I'm going to get mine individualistic, kind of just myopic mindset, everything about your experience through life changes. And I think the more, the most free I've ever felt with money has been at times when I've been the most generous with my money. Mm -hmm. I remember this quote, it says that nobody has ever gone broke giving to the poor Mm. and like i think that's just like a humbling quote for me to even hear myself say it out loud because it's so true like when have you known of somebody going broke just because they decided to be generous Mm. it's not it's just i think your approach and your experience with people and i think you can have as much money in the world as you want but if you're not able to impact people with your life and finances is one of the big parts of that i think you'll always feel like you're missing something um and and you're missing some kind of fulfillment so i think being generous is huge leveraging what you have living below your means um I do have, I don't know if you have a way that you manage your money, that you and Lee manage your money in particular. I know I learned, um, one of my friends taught me that I tell anybody who knows because I just feel like sometimes it's overwhelming to think about your finances as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so if you can like compartmentalize your finances, you tend to know exactly how you're spending your money it's at least a lot more apparent how you're going to do it of course this looks different when you have a couple businesses like we're even talking about going out today and opening our business account for beyond the walls finally we got our first paycheck (laughs) um but like we have separate accounts for the business but in general like how i choose to manage my money is i have an account that's just a bill account Mm -hmm. And that bill account does have a little bit of a buffer, especially when you're first starting out, you kind of need that buffer because you don't know how much your flex bills are going to cost, like how much gas is going to cost this month or how much your utilities are going to cost, that kind of thing. But now that I've been doing this for years, I mean, I've been doing it for like eight years now. I know approximately how much I tend to spend in those areas. And so I have just a bill account and most of those bills are automated. There's some bills that I I prefer to pay off like manually, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, like I have just like money that's feeding into that account and then they're automated. And so the money that I'm actually responsible for dealing with is much smaller and more manageable. I know that the money that I'm choosing to work with has nothing to do on meeting my day-to-day needs of paying my bills. Like I have my bills covered. The money that I'm working with is simply like is this my business money? Is this my savings money? How much do I want to spend? And I'm telling myself, this is how much I want to spend. And over the years, it's looked different. And when I have goals, it's also looked different. Like if I'm saving for a particular goal, then I know, you know, when I get paid this time around, this is how much I'm going to be saving. And so that means I'm going to be spending less. But there's some months where I'm just like, just have fun, like go on a trip, like this, this next month in particular, like I'm probably spending like $4,000 just on travel. (laughs) So, you know, like some months look like that. Yeah. 
And then best believe the following month, it'll probably look like something different. Last month, I spent all of this money on the dog and he got, he's, he went away for a boot camp this month, but I paid for all of that and upfront. And so, you know, like when I have specific goals, like I know I'm spending X amount of dollars and that's going certain ways. And of course, as you build more of a safety net, I can pay for his boot camp and I can pay for my travel and I can pay for it in the same month. But it's really been only in this last year that I've been finally in a spot where I feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. For the longest time, it was like, all right, three months, you all you have is the 1500 that's going to his training for now. Yeah. And then in a couple of months, you know, or maybe... 12 months from now, next year, I'm going to plan to go on an international trip. Yeah. But, you know, that, of course, changes because I've been working so much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it just looks differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think for us, I think it is having the plan and a purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. ahead of time, if we know where we're trying to go. And I think that's what you've been sharing, right? Even if we go back to your car situation where you deliberately made a choice, had you cared about your car three years ago, you wouldn't have had that $50 to build this business, to be investing into the home decor, to -hmm. get to where you are now, right? Like if you know why you're doing what you're doing, like, again, that's like where the freedom is. And that's the mindset of, are we stuck in fear or are we in abundance here? Like we have a plan and it's manageable. We know where it's going and we know why we're doing it. Cause I think for us, I think we've done different things through the years and we've done Dave Ramsey and the cash envelopes before. And I think the biggest thing is just having the budget. We have to know how much is going out and how much is going in. And it's hard work to just keep always staying top of it. And I think, you know, we were talking before, I think the challenging part is because we've set up our lives to live below our means. It creates a, an illusion that we can not have to stay so disciplined on staying on top of the budget. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden we are like, where did this extra money go? Like all of a sudden, like there's, there's none of this extra money because it went someplace. Mm-hmm. And when we're not actively and intentionally telling our money where to go, it's going to go to stuff that we didn't really want to, or we're counting, we aren't really able to count the costs. Like we're missing out on what we would have wanted to have done with it mm-hmm. instead of regretting where it did go mm-hmm. or not even knowing where it went in these little stupid stuff, you know, soda at Taco Bell instead of having just water, <laughs> you know, like having this plan. And I think that's really, again, it's just as all of our mindset and do we know where it's going and why it's going someplace who are we trying to impress? Who are we living for? And who's reaping the benefit or the cost of how we're choosing to spend our money? Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to work with you. If you're looking for additional coaching from us, you can log on to our website at beyondthewallspodcast.com and look at our membership for more information. Until next time. Bye.